Welcome to Senior News Daily, a podcast for active seniors. Those of us who reject the idea that we're like old couch cushions with the stuffings worn out. I'm Howard Englander, reporting from the editorial offices of our sister digital newspaper, theseniornewsdaily.com, where each day we search the internet for news of interest to our generation of men and women of retirement age, covering health and financial news, politics, interpreting the stories from the national press for their relevance to those of us of retirement age, and reporting the events of particular interest to our generation. The stories making headlines in the national and international news are not specifically stories about seniors, but we can't ignore them because they're making the front pages because of things we did or didn't do during our time as the nation's leaders. When it comes to politics, incidentally, we lean neither to the right or the left, no agenda, other than advocating for seniors. The number one story of interest to seniors today is the status of President Biden's Build Back Better budget. (laughs) That's quite a tongue twister. Build Back Better budget that Congress has been hassling over for months. Hanging in the balance, frankly, the welfare of the senior population in America. For starters, Seniors have been waiting for 30 years for the government to step in and negotiate lower drug prices. It's been a central campaign theme for decades, and now Democrats, with the power to make it happen, most likely will fall short yet again. The odds are that the massive $3.5 trillion domestic policy bill taking shape in Congress will leave out the section addressing what has been called a crisis of affordability for seniors. Senate Democrats insist that they have not given up on the section of the bill giving Medicare the power to negotiate to lower drug prices. They know that the loss of the provision promoted by President Biden on the campaign trail and, and in the White House could be particularly embarrassing defeat since it has been central to Democratic congressional campaigns for three decades. But with at least three House Democrats opposing the toughest version of the measure, and at least one Senate Democrat, Sinema of Arizona, against it, government negotiating power appears almost certain to be curtailed, if not jettisoned. Lamented senior Bernie Sanders, it would mean that the pharmaceutical industry, which made $150 billion in profits last year, which has 1,500 paid lobbyists, the pharmaceutical industry, which pays its executives huge compensation packages and which is spending hundreds of millions of dollars to defeat this legislation, will have one. Go get him, Bernie Sanders. Maybe if uh, Kirsten Cinema of Arizona were older than her 45 years, she would cast a yes vote for broadening Medicare coverage instead of being a pawn of Big Pharma. As the overall size and cost of the bill continues to be cut back, concerns grow about passage of the most historic aging policy in over 50 years, since 1965. In addition to authorizing the federal government to negotiate the price of prescription drugs for Medicare Part D health plans, at stake are cuts to several key sections that could positively impact older adults. Broadening Medicare coverage by adding dental, vision, and hearing coverage under fee-for-service Medicare. Adding $400 billion for home and community-based services for people on Medicare, as well as improvements in wages and benefits for long-term care workers. Providing $4 billion for federal elder justice programs, such as adult protective services. 
the long-term care ombudsman program, improved staffing in nursing homes, and a new grant program to address social isolation. There's more in a budget, creating a family caregiver tax credit, expanding housing for older adults, and boosting funding for the Older Americans Act. Which of these aging policy ideas will survive as proposed? Because the impending cuts to the Build Back Better Act go beyond Medicare expansion. And it appears as if uh, Senator Joe Manchin will get his way, despite being in the pocket of the state's coal industry. His is the deciding vote, forcing top House and Senate Democrats to cobble together a new economic package that can satisfy liberals and centrists alike. The impending compromises will drastically overhaul education, immigration, climate, and tax laws. So Manchin and Kirsten Cinema lead the block, insisting on steep cuts to Democrats' original $3.5 trillion plan. Now, our generation has seen political dissent before, but the stakes really have never been higher. Congress debates while the country languishes in, in dysfunction. And perhaps the real debate is politics versus the people. Democrats fear the United States cannot afford to wait to curb climate change, help more women enter the workforce, invest in feeding and educating its most vulnerable children. In their view, failing to invest in these issues means the country risks incurring painful costs that will slow economic growth. Republicans, who have vowed to fight any version of the spending bill, argue that the national economy cannot afford the burden of taxes on high earners and businesses that Democrats have proposed to help offset their plans. They say the increases will chill growth when the recovery from the pandemic recession remains fragile. Which side will win out in the coming weeks will have the answer. Coronavirus continues to make headlines. The Food and Drug Administration may soon allow Americans to mix and match COVID-19 booster shots and be inoculated with a different vaccine than they initially received. The shift would be particularly notable for those who received the single-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine. An advisory committee to the FDA found those who received that vaccine, that's the J&J vaccine, but got a Moderna booster, saw antibody levels rise 76 times over in 15 days, compared with just a fourfold increase after a booster of the Johnson & Johnson jab alone. The advisors recommended the FDA authorize a second shot of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, with many members asking if the vaccine should actually be considered a two-dose regimen to begin with. The FDA is still considering guidelines for the mix-and-max policy, which would give Americans more choice and may ease the vaccine administration due to uh, supply constraints, which still exist in some parts of of the country. Because it's true, the crisis is not over everywhere. The situation in Alaska, for example, remains dire. But nationally, I think the trend is clear, and hopes are rising that the worst is finally behind us. As winter looms ahead, there are real reasons for optimism. 70% of adults are fully vaccinated, and many children under 12 are likely to be eligible for their shots in a matter of weeks. So federal regulators could soon authorize the first antiviral pill for COVID-19. So we are, without a doubt, hands down, in a better place this year than we were last year. But the pandemic is not yet over, scientists have cautioned. Nearly 2,000 Americans are still dying every day, and another winter surge is plausible and possible. So given how many Americans remain unvaccinated and how much remains unknown, it is really too soon to abandon some of the basic precautions that are in play.
Well, another bit of good news as far as COVID-19 is concerned is to get ready to hug and kiss the grandkids. Uh, Pfizer said uh, that its COVID-19 vaccine works for children ages 5 to 11 and that it will seek U.S. authorization for this age group soon, which would be a key step towards beginning vaccinations for the youngsters. The vaccine made by Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech, already is available for anyone 12 and older, but with kids now back in school, the extra contagious Delta variant causing a huge jump in pediatric infections, many parents are anxiously awaiting vaccinations for their younger children. For elementary school kids, Pfizer tested a much lower dose, a third of the amount that's in each shot given now. Yet after their second dose, children ages 5 to 11 develop coronavirus antibody levels just as strong as teenagers and young adults getting the regular strength shots. So that's, uh, that's good news. It is true that COVID-19 has affected all of us in ways that may take years to fully understand. Our jobs and communities have changed. Goals and priorities have been questioned. New technologies have transformed our health services, entertainment, and shopping. We have seen the sad inequities between the haves and have-nots. In truth, the odds of a purposeful and fulfilling retirement are substantially improved when older adults are financially secure. Yet, far too many are at risk today, consigned to the sidelines, their hopes and dreams hindered by economic difficulties. Disease and isolation play major factors as well. So we really must do more to enable older adults to live the lives and retirements they deserve, not just for the benefit of the current generation of retirees, but for younger people, the retirees of the future, who are often struggling to progress in their own lives. Which brings us to one positive response. The Social Security Administration announced that its annual cost of living adjustment will be 5.9% a boost to average retirement benefits of about $92 per month for individuals starting in January 2022. It's the largest increase to Social Security benefits since the 7.4% hike that went into effect in January 1983. Until this year, the annual cost of living adjustments have been very modest, averaging only about 1.65% annually over the past decade, with no gain at all to benefits in 2016. Last year, the increase that went into effect in January was only 1.3%. Social Security is the largest source of retirement income for most Americans and provides nearly all income, about 90% or more, for one in four seniors. Let's end this newscast with a movie review of Dune, based on the Frank Herbert uh, 1957 science fiction novel that we seniors devoured at the time. The movie has received some lofty words from uh, several online reviewers, such as, Dune is a cool-headed colossus of otherworldly science fiction. (laughs) Wow. This version of the novel, which debuted in theaters and on HBO Max, is a second stab at turning Dune into a movie event. With an immense sense of scale, Dune renders an age-old tale of palace intrigue, an indigenous struggle in exaggerated style, and it's, it's fun to watch, albeit a little short on character development. The film is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for sequences of strong violence, some disturbing images, and suggestive material. The running time, it's long, 151 minutes. Consensus, three and a half stars out of four. So that's it for now. Go online at www.seniornewsdaily.com and get your free subscription delivered to your email address. I did say free. Thanks for listening. Next podcast, when the news for seniors becomes headline news.